Welcome to the Elijah Streams podcast. Our mission is to encourage you in your faith through a unique blend of patriotism and prophecy. And now here's your host, Steve Schultz. Hey everyone, and welcome to Elijah Streams. Today's Tuesday, May 2nd, 2023. I'm your host, Kelsey O'Malley, filling in for Steve Schultz this week. We are in for such a treat today. My guest is Brian Simmons, and he's going to be sharing with us how the Passion Translation got started, what it's like to be a tribal missionary, and much, much more. So I'm so excited to hear all these stories from uh, Brian. He's also going to be sharing some dreams with us. So just get ready for a very impactful show. But before we bring Brian on, we want to again thank you for partnering with us as we dig wells all throughout Uganda so those precious people can have access to fresh water. Please enjoy the video showing all the fruits of your giving to this wonderful cause. These precious people's lives are being completely changed by having access to clean water. So thank you for partnering with us again. Every amount helps and we just want to bless you guys. Um, You know, you're showing the hands and feet of God to these people and the gospel is being preached and they know that this is a gift from the Lord and they can rejoice and praise him every day as they walk to go get clean, fresh water. So to donate, you can donate online at ElijahStreams.com slash donate, or you can mail in your gift to help us. And again, thank you so much. We love you guys. Um, And you just see the smiles on their faces. That's what I love about all these videos is it shows, hey, these people... They, their lives are completely uh, changing by, by your love and your generosity. So thanks again. Well, you know, today's show's special because I haven't been on with, I personally have never been on with Brian before. And just reading through his notes, all the stuff that him and his wife Candace have gone through, um, the amazing things the Lord has done uh, in their life. I know it's really going to bless you, Brian is the lead translator of the Passion uh, Translation Bible. He is an author to many different books and devotionals. And his heart is that you would experience God as the bridegroom king. So let's welcome my guest today, Brian Simmons. Hey, how's it going, everybody? Brian, I'm so excited to have you on the show. Thanks for coming on with us today. What a treat. Thanks for inviting me, Kelsey. Amazing. Wonderful. Well, you know, I'm going to take you back a little bit because I want to start today's show when you and Candace were tribal missionaries sent to indigenous people groups. So I'm going to take you way back. (laughs) You know, what, what kind of impact did that, did that have on your life and how how did you get sent as missionaries? How did that story even start to unfold? Oh yeah, that's um, that would have been about 1982, uh, and it's uh, at the village of Morti in the Dadiang province of Panama, and uh, God called us to go to our village and to reach a tribe for Christ. And uh, the picture on the screen now is the earliest, the first fruits of believers that came to know Jesus. And the the uh, structure behind it with the the uh, grass roof, uh, banana leaf roof. That's the church. That's where we gathered under wow. that and would worship the Lord. And and uh, it was amazing to see so many people. Virtually the whole village came to know Jesus. And to this day, they're worshiping God twice a day, uh, 
hands lifted, praising the King of glory. And in spite of me, in spite of our endeavors, God broke through. And, you know, Kelsey, it just, it really was a miracle. After being in the village for a couple of years and they had like stolen stuff from us and they didn't really want Mm. the gospel and they seemed so hard. And, and I remember under the mosquito net one night praying all night long, God, you have to reach these people. You've got to break their hearts open to the gospel. And God interrupted my prayer. And he says, I didn't bring you here to reach these people. I brought you here to reach you. And if I could reach you, Mm -hmm. I could reach a village. And that began the revival. The spirit of the Lord fell. This was uh, before, you know, before we had the Toronto outpouring. This would have been in the mid 80s. And uh, I saw things that just amazing signs and wonders and miracles and people falling to the ground. I'd Mm -hmm. walk up to their hut to give them the gospel and they literally would just, they'd come out and into the dirt, they would go shaking under God's power. It was a move of the Holy Spirit. So we tasted revival there in the village in the eighties. It was amazing. And what led you and Candace to go? Because you had three children Mm -hmm. and you guys just packed up? Did you just, did the Lord speak to you and you decided to leave everything and go? Did he tell you where to go? Yeah, well, we got married uh, out of the Jesus movement. We were part of the Jesus movement. And, uh, you know, uh, we got married and decided to serve the Lord wherever he would send us. It was our cry. Even at the wedding altar, we made a, a vow that we would go wherever God would send us to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. So we uh, entered into missionary training, and we had about eight years total of a Bible college of, of a language uh, school, linguistics, and jungle camp, and boot camp, and just phenomenal training. But the thing was, we, we had to have God go before us. We really wanted to go to Papua New Guinea. We wanted to go to the headhunters. We, we were just a little radical, okay? We wanted to go where the wildest place that on the earth and uh, God did interrupt us, and he sent a, a, a man to our door and begged us to come to Central America and touch mm-hmm. the Payakuna people uh, with the gospel. And I said, no, we're going to New Guinea. And he said, just pray about it. If you'll just ask God. I said, okay, I promise you, I ask God. I shut the door, got on my knees and asked God. It wasn't five seconds. God said, I sent that man to you. You're going there. You said you would go where I send you, so you're going to go to that jungle village and and do what I tell you to do. So that's how we ended up there on the rainforest, the Dadiang province on the border of Colombia and Panama, where the drug cartel not far away had set up base. Mm. How was that for your children? Well, our third child, our son, David, uh, he was born while we were there in, in, uh, in Panama. And we're so thankful he's now serving the Lord and, yes. and doing s- such a great work for God, uh, he and his wife, Prisca. And, um, yeah, taking kids into the jungle. Oh, I can't imagine. I can't imagine. <laughs> I mean, uh, just I still have memories of seeing my our two daughters hanging from rafters in huts, you know, like little monkeys and just swinging uh, and, and, you know, eating bananas and I knew we had a problem the first time we came home. We were there four years before we came back to North America. Wow. I knew we had a problem when I saw our son, David, 
he didn't sit in a chair. He would just sit, he would squat down, you know, like <laughs> on his haunches. He'd just squat there. We said, David, you, you can get in a chair. We'd come back to America and he had no electricity there in the jungle. So he'd flip all the light switches and go and flush the toilet and doorbell, go out and ring it. Anything electrical just enamored him. So oh it was goodness. very unique to raise a family uh, in a jungle village in that setting. Oh, I can't even talk about giving up everything. I mean, leaving everything, giving up everything. And did that impact? I mean, I'm sure just seeing the people and loving the people, but what really marked your heart as the lasting impact that you still think about today when you look back at that? Well, I, I think about how God broke my heart and showed me that I didn't love the people that I was sent to love. And when I confessed that to God and I confessed it to the people, that's when the spirit of the Lord fell. You know, I I think repentance and acknowledgement of our need and desperation, that's the key. That's the threshold of revival. That's been my experience. And yeah, it, it changed my heart entirely uh, to, to love a people that a different culture, different language, you know, we had to eat what they ate and um, you know, live in, in a hut and basically uh, I would hunt with the men and I when they wow. came time to build uh, another hut in the village each person was responsible to gather branches and wood and I had my quota and I had to go out and do it it wasn't easy but I really tried to enculturate into the uh, the Payakuna uh, people into their culture you know Kelsey the one thing that stands out to me as well is God healed my daughter who was bitten by a snake at the age of seven on the riverbank. And mm. uh, it's a deadly snake. It's called the Bushmaster. You know, your viewers can check it out, but it's a very venomous, aggressive snake. And I know it was uh, witchcraft. I know it was demonic. And uh, man, I, I had such a, a battle for her life that night uh, mm. as she was slipping into a coma. We had no way to call out. We had no radios. The government, thought that I was a CIA agent, so they wouldn't let us have radios. And uh, oh I can understand why an educated American would go out and live like that. Um, so all I could do is call out to God and miraculously, the next, I mean, within hours, as soon as the sun came up and the plane never comes in that early, our pilot dropped in for a visit and said, God told me I was supposed to come. What's going on here? And uh, we were able to get her out to medical help. and. The Lord eventually healed her, and now she's serving Jesus in Florida. She and her husband, pastors there, and uh, just loving God with all their heart. So seeing miracles with your kids and Mm -hmm. his love for the people, that he just pursued them. Man, they were so tender. They were so hungry. And this was without the Bible. This was just, you know, Mm. they didn't even have a written language when we got there. Wow. finalized the written alphabet of their dialect. And uh, then my wife did a literacy program and taught them how to read their own language. So it was, you know, think of survivor and, um, you know, uh, wild adventure, mostly wild (laughs) survivor with Jesus. (laughs) (laughs) So how did you go from um, leading tribal missions to writing the passion translation? Yeah, thanks. Great question. We had a, a segue from uh, being in the jungle. We pastored for 18 years in Connecticut. So what happened was one morning, 
uh, about five in the morning, I was up praying, seeking God's face, and I heard the audible voice of God. Kelsey, the one and only time in my life that I've heard the audible voice. I thought somebody was playing a trick on me. I walked around to make sure there was nobody that was doing this. And I sat down again with my open Bible, said, God, if that's you, say it again. And he said, I have a work for you to do in North America. You're going to go back and bring my word to my people. Mm -hmm. And uh, 25 years, I thought, what is the word he wants me to bring? One day I was translating the Bible and I pushed back from my chair thinking about what was, I wonder what the word God wants me to bring. And I realized it's the word. It's the word he wanted me to bring to his people. What did that voice sound like? Oh gosh. Cause you know, I have to ask that question. Yeah. Well, uh, I'll never forget it. It was all around me. It's kind of like in Isaiah, it speaks about when you hear a voice behind you speaking, but this was not just behind me. It was, it's like I was inside the voice of God is what it was like. And, wow. uh, you know, one of the reasons why God sent us back, I know for sure is the Passion Translation Project. But after we left, a few years after we left the village and I had handpicked our replacements, wonderful missionary couples. The drug cartel overran our village with automatic weapons and kidnapped those men and took them into the jungle and later killed them. Oh, and uh, that would have been me. And for years, I struggled with survivor's guilt, but uh, realized God, you know, I had a vision of them one time in heaven with a martyr's reward. And they told me, don't worry, Brian, we, we don't want to come back. Uh, so it freed me to realize God had a purpose for me. He took their lives, but he had a purpose for me to continue on. And now um, almost 15 years, I've been translating the Passion Translation, and it's been so rewarding. It's changed my life. So what is the Passion, for maybe those who, who are unaware, but what is the Passion Translation, and how does it differ from any other translation? Yeah, I, I would just say in a line or two that it, it is a, a new dynamic translation meant to unveil the heart of God to this generation in a language that touches the heart. So it's a, a real focus on the love language of God. And we're trying, uh, as we're now in the Old Testament, we're, we're doing our best to just uncover those beautiful nuggets in Scripture that unveil His heart. And we're not trying to compete with any other Bible. The best Bible translation ever is the one you live. So if you don't like the passion, that's fine. Uh, but just live out the, the one Bible you carry that you read and make it part of your life. And God will make a difference through you. So the passion, uh, we utilize a sprinkling of Aramaic from the language of Jesus. It's a certain fact that Jesus did not speak Greek. So uh, when Jesus taught the parables, he taught Sermon on the Mount, the Lord's Prayer, etc. It was in Aramaic. So how could we be a true scholar and not want to investigate the language Jesus spoke in? So right. we, it's a Greek-based translation, but we do have a sprinkling of Aramaic in it just to bring out the nuance. And a personal question I have for you, because I love the Passion and I, I read it all the time. The notes at the bottom. Um, all of the notes that are stacked throughout the Passion are so incredible that, I mean, you can't just read 
for me when I read through it. I can't just read through without always going down to the notes, no matter how many times I've read the notes as well, because there it seems there's so much packed in those notes to help explain what you're reading, how you give the background of why the story happened here. Or, you know, when Jesus turned water to wine, you talk about um, the six pots and you share so much detail. It, yeah. How long did that take you? And I mean, that's incredible, Brian, all the, the notes in there. Well, thank you. I'm glad you're reading them. Uh, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's like doing double duty. Uh, it's not only I'm Am I translating? But I'm trying to bring a perspective that other Bibles, even study Bibles, won't give mm-hmm. you. I'm not trying to like duplicate or or just echo another uh, wonderful translation or study Bible. I want to insert things that will break open the heart, that will cause you to ponder. Like those were stone water pots. There were six of them. That's the number of man, and our hearts are like stone. And the water is the word of God that he wants to turn into the life-giving spirit within us. And that's such a parable there in, in uh, John chapter 2 with that miracle at the wedding of Cana. So, you know, when I did the prodigal son in Luke 15, mm-hmm. it was like I got, I, I know this may sound strange to some people, but it was like I was there. And mm-hmm. I saw, I saw the father running to his son. It's like I it was reenacted in my heart and my vision. And I, I tried to capture what I felt, what I saw, of course, accurate to the text. That's, that's a given, but right. to bring the, you know, we don't have emojis in our Bible. When we text people, we don't want them to misunderstand. So we put a happy face, you know, I like the guy with the halo. I do that one a lot. We, we try to make sure LOL, you know, that people mm-hmm. understand what we're doing, but in the Bible, uh, it, we don't have that luxury, but yet there's a heart behind the scriptures. It's the heart of God, and the word must lead us to his heart. Who wants to study black letters on a page? I mean, yes. I want to be a scholar of his heart. I want to know the God of the Bible, not just the God the Bible speaks of, but the God of the Bible. I want that God as my God, and I want to be able to convey him and express him as a, as a loving father to other people. My own life and many others I've talked to that have um, got the passion translation. The amazing thing about it is, you know, we say, we know why it's called the passion. (laughs) We (laughs) understand because it, it draws your heart so deeply into Jesus Christ. It draws all of who you are into seeing him and loving him and especially the song of songs translation uh, that you did in that just i mean you could read it over and over and over and let the love of god through a song of songs just wash over you it's it speaks so directly to your heart uh so not only are you getting all the extra notes that you put in there which are incredible to help you understand because like me, I'm not a scholar. I, I, I'm not a scholar. I didn't, I'm not a theologian. And, you know, I don't understand how to always look up everything that I need to. I'm always learning every day like we all are. But to have those notes in there to help me understand 
um, oh my gosh, look at this. This is where it was. And look, like you said, the six pots represents man. And thanks for listening. The Elijah Streams podcast is made possible by donations like yours. To become a partner, go to ElijahStreams.com slash give. I remember um, another thing that really blew my mind was the how many days it took to create the temple was how many um, uh, chromosomes, wasn't it 46 yeah. or 47? Yeah. They, they said to Jesus, it took us 46 years to build the temple. And yes. of course, our temple has 46 chromosomes. So that number 46 Amazing. in the temple, you know, things like that, but that, that um, the Lord just gives me, you know, some of them spontaneous as I'm working on this, but yeah, our heart is, is to express God's heart. If God is angry, he's really angry. We're not going to soften or mute uh, his, his heart. And that's the most important thing. You know, somebody said, well, you, you, you kind of watered down the Bible. I said, well, I don't think you've read it. You've listened to other people, but you haven't read it yourself. We amplify the scriptures yeah. and try to point out the fire of his love, the fire of his anger, the passion of his heart. And, you know, we're told the first commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart. Isn't that passion? Yes. I mean, it's beautiful. It is passion. and. You talked about a little bit about people kind of say, kind of criticize you a little bit. And I think that's, you've probably had a lot of criticism, actually. Um, I mean, I remember when it was taken off that one, um, what what website was it removed from? Um, Bible Gateway. And me and my husband wrote in and because we were like, why did you remove it? I mean, you've you've really had a lot of people come against it. How do you deal with that? Yeah, well, when I was told to do this translation project by the Lord himself who visited me, and that just drives my critics crazy. You know, it's okay for Jesus to come to Muslims and to come to Arabs and to come to people in other religions. Why why is it he wouldn't come to his believe his beloved, his believers? And in that visitation, I was given this commission. And one of the things he told me was that I would be greatly persecuted, that he would help me, he would stand by me, and that I would that I could listen to my critics and be a better person and better translator. And that's what I try to do. I try to listen. And uh, mm-hmm. when when they're just angry and calling me names and and things like that, delete. You know. Uh, yeah, they, yeah. It's okay. I bless them. We love them. And I also take communion and I, there's two or three people on earth that are really bent on destroying me in the passion translation. And I know who they are. So when I take communion, I, I lift the cup of blessing and I thank God for his blood that cleanses me. And I bless those people by name. I ask God to bless their families, to bless their health, their finances, their heart in every way. And I have a feeling one of these days I'll be able to sit down with all of them or, or some of them. And, mm-hmm. you know, fellowship as brothers in Christ, because I love the Lord, my God. I've, I've, you know, I've got 51 years of walking with him. So I'm not going to stop because somebody uh, doesn't like, you know, uh, a verse that I translate or, mm-hmm. you know, wh- for whatever reason. Um, right. I, w- I want to do this as an act of love for God. It's for him. Can you share a little more detail of uh, what? your encounter with the Lord and how it kind of uh, got started. 
Yeah, well, I was pastoring a wonderful church in, in Connecticut. Actually, Steve Schultz uh, visited us there in Connecticut. Uh, he and uh, Rick Joyner and I did a conference. Um, that's where I first met uh, Steve. But uh, after pastoring 18 years, I felt the Lord clearly direct me to hand it over to a younger leadership team. So I did that and unemployed myself as a pastor and oh, wow. just sought the Lord. I said, God, what's the next step? You led us to the mission field. We saw a village come to Christ. You led us here to Connecticut. We've seen revival breaking loose. What do you have for the rest of my life? Because my wife is such a prolific dreamer, she gets seven dreams a night. I thought she would get a word from the Lord for me. But instead, I had a personal visitation, two in the morning. Uh, Jesus came to me and gave me this calling, this commission. Uh, told me that he would help me, that he would, and this this really bothers the critics, but that he would give mm-hmm. me the secrets. He would mm-hmm. show me secrets. And it's like, mm-hmm. what's wrong with that? You know, God has secrets. You know, the secret things belong to God. Uh, Deuteronomy 29, 29, you know, the secret of the Lord is with those that fear him. Yes. 27 times in the New Testament, we have the word secret or mysteries. So there, mm-hmm. there is an aspect of God that the casual do not ever step into, but the passionate mm-hmm. and the hungry, he will reveal his heart to. So he told me he would give me secrets of the text and help me. And he has, he really has helped me. Oh my, uh, finished the new Testament. Uh, I've got all of the prophets done Isaiah to Malachi. I finished Exodus and Leviticus. I'm currently finishing up the book of numbers and I have uh, 12 more books to translate and we hope to get it out by 2028 or thereabouts. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's how do you, do you work on it each day or do you have certain, how do you, how do you do that? Oh, Kelsey. um, Okay. I'm I'm up early and I've already spent hours translating today, working on numbers chapter 20. I actually finished chapter 25 of numbers uh, today and uh, started preparing for chapter 26. Mm-hmm. So I, I am committed. I'm obsessed. I have a mission. I have a calling that I have no doubt, honestly, in the 14 plus years I've been working on this every day, oh, I've not had maybe, maybe once or twice, I get a little wisp of a doubt, but I'm telling you, I blow it right away because I know I've been given this, this uh, monumental task of wow. uh, bringing his word to his people. He told me that with an audible voice. And uh, yes. it's kind of crazy. I finished the New Testament in Bethlehem, where the oh. Word was made flesh. You know, I pushed back from my desk. I was on a trip there, and I, you know, even so, come Lord Jesus, Maranatha. I finished mm-hmm. the Book of Revelation there in Bethlehem, and I pushed my chair back, going, "Man, I can't believe this! The Word made flesh, right here." Wow. So there's there's a lot of God stories behind it, but mostly grace. God's grace, because no one, <clears throat> I get asked a silly question. Do you feel qualified? Bro, who is qualified? You know, <laughs> who is qualified to touch the sacred word and bring it to his people? Mm. Uh, the only ones that are qualified are the ones God calls to do it. And uh, wow. his calling has qualified me, and I rest in that. So if you're going to be done by 2028, People can purchase now because the New Testament, I know, was all together. And then a couple um, 
uh, Psalms and Song of Songs and Proverbs, mm-hmm. and then you sell kind of the individual books. But by 2020, it's all you're going to put it all together, right? And just yes. one. Yeah. We're all excited about that. People think it's going to be like this tall, but <laughs> it's not. Uh, it's not. Don't uh, worry. Yeah, no worries. We'll make sure you can carry it in a wheelbarrow. <laughs> So, okay, reading and interpreting the Bible every single day, yeah, that must have radically changed your life by being so much in the Word every single day. What what has that done for you? It's shown me how little I know. It's humbled me. It has given me a privilege that I don't think very few people on earth have. For me to have that kind of contact, uh, you know, a lot of scholars will devote their whole life to just one book in the Bible. And, you know, I've got 66 of them. So uh, this exposure of my heart to the love of God in the scriptures has melted the mountain of my pride like wax. It has Mm -hmm. devastated my inner being. It has left me undone. It's ruined me for for you know, just going out and playing basketball or having a a extended social life of just going off and doing stuff. It's given me a focus. It's giving me a passion to see this to completion. And uh, I think my wife and kids would even agree that God's God has changed my heart through this. Mm -hmm. And it's been a beautiful journey over 14 years now, every day. Wow. That's beautiful. And you can tell even through the writings when you read it, it's just, it is so, it is such the heart of God. It is, it stirs up your hunger and your passion for the word again. It makes you fall in love with the word all over again, makes the word come to life. Um, You know, when you might just read through the Bible and you don't see it as much as you do with the passion and you put things in italics, you know, you add to it in italics. And what that does is it just gets you deeper into the revelation of Jesus. And I mean, if you haven't, maybe you're watching and um, you're a King James only, you know, and that's what you were raised on. And you've, you've always had that. Um, Yep. King James only. But, you know, when you start reading the passion, it, there is something that gets sparked in you for a deeper love for Jesus Christ. So I'll just encourage you guys, if you, if you have not picked up the Passion Translation and you haven't um, given it a shot, you can even find it online. Um, you know, read a couple things. Read Song of Songs. I really want to encourage you to yeah. do that. And, and what other book do a lot of people comment to you, Brian, that, wow, that's really well, changed me? Yeah, I think uh, the Psalms and Proverbs, which are poetry, they're Hebrew poetry, and mm-hmm. uh, it it's more expressive, it's nuanced. Hebrew is an emotional language. You cannot de-emotionalize the Hebrew language and say you're translating it accurately. What is accuracy? Doesn't accuracy have an emotional context, not just an historical context? Isn't there an emotion behind the heart of the one who has given us the scriptures? And if I could just take a quick minute, I know we have some other things to talk about, but, uh, and I noticed one of the comments here, one of the, one of the criticisms that has kind of run a circle around this is that I had, uh, 
visitation by an angel named Passion, and that's how I got the name for the Passion Translation. I did not have a visitation from an angel by the name of Passion. I said that there was an angel, and angels accompany those messengers uh, of God, that years ago, I, I realized there was an angel named Passion that was a part of our ministry that seemed to mm-hmm. accompany us. There was fire and there was passion wherever we went. But uh, I was not given the name Passion Translation by an angel. Uh, you mm-hmm. know, uh, 50 years of word studies help, have helped me more than any angel. Uh, so that's, that's one thing I want to say. And mm-hmm. another is that I'm a lone translator. And what right does a person have to translate the Bible by themselves? Mm-hmm. I'm not a lone translator. We have on our, our website, thepassiontranslation.com. We have on our website the names of scholars. We have a wonderful scholar that's partnered with me, uh, David Householder from California. He was a Fulbright Greek scholar that contributed to the Bauer Danker uh, Greek lexicon, and any scholar will, will recognize that as a standard. Um, and I've got uh, Stephen Wren, who has a seminary in Europe. He is likewise uh, helping me write introductions to the different books. So uh, even if that's the case, what are we going to do with Wycliffe and, uh, you know, Tyndale and Moffat and J.B. Phillips and every scholar today that writes a commentary by themselves, they mm-hmm. do their own translation. And, of course, tribal missionaries like me, uh, there wasn't a committee that could help translate the Bible. We just had to do it. Right. Yeah. So just those, just wanted to clarify that um, hearing it from the horse's mouth is better than getting it off of YouTube. Yeah, that's, that's very true. And I've, I've heard this too, also that um, it's written all in Aramaic and you, you touched on that before that it's mainly Greek and with hints of uh, Aramaic in there. Yeah, no, the the um the Aramaic was the language of Jesus, but it's a Greek-based translation. I do believe in Greek primacy. Uh my studies have evolved and my thoughts, I like everybody viewing this. Uh, oh, absolutely. You're different than you were 10 years ago, and you look at things yes. differently, and even the scriptures have have become more nuanced and powerful over the time. And so my journey into linguistics and the etymology of, of scripture, likewise, is um, I'm still learning. I got a lot to learn. Yeah, me too. Amen. Well, what do you feel like the Lord's been revealing to you lately about uh, the church or what he's doing right now? Has God been speaking to you anything um, like a, a now word for the church? Yeah. yeah, a number of things. Thanks for asking. I I think overall, the church needs a fresh infusion of the love of God. Uh, mm-hmm. There's anger and and uh, the fruit of the spirit, you know, is not uh, invalidated because people don't vote the way you like or they don't live the way you like. The fruit of the spirit is legit. And it's something that every one of us need to walk in daily. If we say we walk with Jesus we should walk in the fruit of the Holy Spirit in our life. And the fruit of the Spirit is love. Mm. And the other eight are expressions of love. Mm. So the the love-driven theology must consume us. We must go deeper into God's heart of love for people. How can we have a harvest if we don't care about the world? God loved the world so much that he gave his son. We have to love the world so much 
that we will give our life, that we'll give our energies and our passion to see people come to know Christ. So a love revival is, mm. is imminent. A love feast is coming to a church near you. And I think we're going to be restored to that pristine place of first love passion for Jesus, where we honor one another, we esteem each other highly, and we're slow to argue, slow to debate. Uh, that's all part of the religious spirit. They focus on that. But we, we find the place of love as preeminent. Also, I've had a couple of dreams. Is it okay I share that? Yes, please. Well, a, a while back, I had a dream that has really impacted me, and I've told it many times, and it's about a generation rising that I now believe is Gen Z. I didn't get Gen Z in the dream. I just, I, that's how I've interpreted it. And I saw a darkness coming over the earth so thick and so uh, horrible that I knew it was a moral darkness, and we're stepping into that even in our culture today, we're seeing that darkness try to creep in over our planet. It was a blanket of darkness over the earth. And in the dream, I was weeping before God saying, who could ever break this darkness? Who could ever lift this veil? It just seems so heavy, the shroud of darkness and evil. And just then I saw in the dream, I saw a generation rising of young people. I believe the Gen Z generation, and God called them daybreakers and dawn makers. And there are people that are going to lift the veil of darkness. They're going to push back evil by the light they carry. They don't wait for a new day. They are the new day. They themselves are the new thing God is doing. You know, we all want God to do a new thing. Behold, I do a new thing. The new thing is in our heart, and it's a people that he raises up to confront and to push back darkness. I see him coming. Women and men that are young that are carrying the torch of glory and revival, and they won't be silenced. They're not going to, maybe they may not go to our Bible colleges and seminaries, but they've, they've been in the courts of heaven, and mm -hmm. they've been with Jesus, and they're going to release something so glorious that he calls them, in the dream, he called them daybreakers and dawn makers. So wow. that's, that just has rocked my world ever since, mm -hmm. and I really... I love this generation rising. I've got grandkids that are Gen Z, and <clears throat> I just love their heart, their passion, their empathy, the way they care about people. And God's going to latch on to that and use them. Second dream I had was about children. And I was in a, in a large gathering, a stadium full of Christians, believers, old, young, moms, dads, but a lot of kids, a lot of children, lots. Mm -hmm. And the speaker before me, I was scheduled to speak, but the one before me was older and cranky and very negative. And she said out of her mouth that children are to be seen, but not heard. And mm -hmm. basically children be quiet and shut up and sit down. And then, uh, a little later, it was my turn to speak. I took the mic, and the first thing I said was, children, you have a voice. You are to be heard. Mm -hmm. And then I, I went to a number of kids, kneel, knelt down to look in their eyes, and told them, you have a voice. You have a calling. You have a message for this generation. Don't let anyone silence you. Mm -hmm. And I woke up really burning with a passion for not only the Gen Z 
revival, but I believe God is going to touch our children. And what parent watching this doesn't want your child to be drenched in the love of God, the favor of God, the Holy Spirit, and his mighty power flowing through our kids. It's going to come. Help Elijah Streams continue to reach people around the world. All donations go toward making Elijah Streams and the Elijah Streams podcast possible. Visit ElijahStreams.com slash give and become a partner today. They're going to be very instrumental in this coming, this revival that is breaking out already. It's imminent. It's here. Wow. Well, we can see already in in, uh, churches the difference even in worship for, you know, they call it uh, presence-driven worship. We're seeing that really start to, I mean, it's it's attracting so many more young people because it's about going there to meet with Jesus. It's about going there to love him, to connect with him. And how can you, like you said, stated earlier, how can you love others if you have not received the love, been saturated in love? It's going to be hard yeah. to know what, what real love is. You know, he right. is, God is love. And so do you think the, um, the, the whole uh, love word is connected also to that, that Gen Z too? Yeah, absolutely. I think I'll tell you who's going to lead the way into the future is lovers, lovers of God. The people yeah. that will lay their life down, living martyrs that have already sacrificed their lives They've given it all, like my three friends that are now in heaven that were martyred, that women and men that have absolutely surrendered their time, their treasure, their talents to Jesus Christ, and they're going to be so full of God in the coming days that it's like um, they're going to know we're Christians by our love. Yes, that's so beautiful. I want to touch on something too that's not kind of in the notes, but it's just it's sure. coming to me now because I think this has been a subject I've seen that's kind of controversial. And um, I love how you put it in the Passion Translation. But when Paul was addressing the church and was addressing women in the church, and he was like, women should stay silent and they should ask their husbands when they get home. And we've seen such an abuse of that scripture. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. That scripture so abused. So could you hit on that real quick? Uh, well, let's open, <laughs> let's open up a can of doves, shall we? <laughs> uh, let, let's take the, the meta theme of can women teach? And that is an obvious yes. When Jesus commissioned his apostles, his disciples to go into all the world, preach the gospel and teach, he didn't say, and he wasn't saying that to just men. There were women standing there that were commanded by Jesus to go and teach all nations. So this this idea of a woman being unable to teach in the church mm-hmm. is, um, uh, you know, it's as obsolete as a cassette tape. The uh, the truth is the only only places where Paul ever seemingly limited the ministry of women was Corinth and Ephesus. Uh, First Timothy, which was in Ephesus, and then the Corinthians. And mm-hmm. in both cities, there were major temples of Diana worship. They were Artemis, the goddess Diana. And the only clergy, the only priests in the temple were women. Uh, men were, had no authority. It was a, a um, matriarchal 
you know, the women ruled the day in Diana worship Mm -hmm. and they would get saved and come into the church. And Paul is saying, I don't want you to seize authority from men. And if you'll look at that word to take the authority, if you'll look at it carefully, I have, it is the word for seize. It's Mm -hmm. to like even violently seize. It's, It's to push your way in and dominate because you once had that authority in Diana worship doesn't mean right. you have it now in the church. So those are the only two places that it, there's any kind of a limitation. He doesn't tell a woman to, to keep silent. It's the word quiet, quietness. And I, I guess we all have quiet moments in church, don't we? So yep. um, we, we've got so many examples of the mighty women of God that bring the word. And I've been impacted personally by Jill Austin, uh, you know, Marilyn Hickey, by um, you've got um, Beth Moore, you have Joyce Meyer. There's so many wonderful women of God, uh, our friend Lisa Bevere, that are really paving the way and preaching and doing tremendous work. And to, to, tell, the, <clears throat> to tell half of the image of God that it can't be expressed. Mm. You know, the name Yahweh is feminine and masculine. Yah is feminine, way is masculine. It's the joining of feminine and masculine, God's heart, God's name. He's not a man and he's not a woman, but he epitomizes and he releases and reveals both masculinity and femininity in all of his ways. The word for mercy in the Old Testament is racham, R-A-C-H-A-M. And it is the same word as a woman's womb. So when we talk about the mercy of God, we're talking about God's womb love for us. Mm. The womb love is how I would describe it. So there's, there's so many beautiful features of God that he's embedded inside of women that if we limit just to the um, insecure men uh, are the Mm. only ones that can teach we're missing. And boy, have we not, have we not missed? I mean, is this really all we got? Can't we, unleash the women of God to race and run with the gospel, with the revelation of truth and uh, bring it, just bring it. Don't worry about what others say, just bring it. We'll take it. Yes. And I know that encourages many of you guys watching. I know even myself, cause it has, it's been told over and over again, you know, but uh, Brian, even in the notes in the passion, he breaks all of this down. Um, under the chapters in Corinthians where that's written. I know I've read at the bottom and it so encouraged me. You talked about uh, Phoebe and all these different women and who worked with Paul. And uh, it's just amazing that the notes in the passion, how Brian breaks all of this down. Oh. You know, before we end today, I would love if you would pray for the viewers, if, if the Lord's kind of giving you anything for those listening, um, just sharing God's heart with, with everyone right now as we're live. Yeah, I would love to do that. So let's pray, friends. Father, we just thank you for the way you've, your grace has healed us and brought us into the very heart of God. We thank you that you keep loving and forgiving in spite of our actions. We thank you. Your grace has no limit. Your love is, has no lid. There's no end to it. It's it's irrational. It's unfathomable. The height, the width, the depth, the length of the love of Jesus Christ. Lord, make, make us explorers of that love. 
Make us those that will go past cultural boundaries to find your heart. Move deeply in us to restore women to their rightful place, to restore children to a place where they have a voice. Lord, that we would go after the disenfranchised, the lonely, the broken, the poorest of the poor, the forgotten people groups of the world. Give us a passion for the things that you carry in your heart, Lord. We want to weep over what makes you cry. Lord, we want to rejoice over what makes you thrilled. So give us your heart most of all. Show us your glory, but Lord, your glory is your goodness. Let it pass before us, those 13 virtues of mercy. Let those attributes of love be expressed in our heart in these last days. Restore marriages. Restore families. Bring the prodigals home. Lord, let our hearts be tenderized and humbled by the glory that is moving on earth today. And move us into that perfect place, Lord, where we can be used of you for the greatest impact, to make a difference and not a dent. Help us, Lord. We cry out to you in Jesus' name. Amen. And I also pray, Holy Spirit, right now as the viewers are listening, that you would go into each heart so deep, God, and walls that have been built up, Lord, and things that have held them back from reading your word and understanding who you are. God, I just ask that you begin to break those barriers, Lord. I ask that you give them a hunger and a thirst for your word. Lord, I ask that you would give them a burning passion to spend time with you in prayer. Lord, heart to heart connection. God, I ask that you soften them so that when they come into your presence, Lord, they're open to hear your voice. God, we just pray that the fire of your glory and of your love would consume a generation. God, just as Brian shared with us the dream, Lord, we thank you that you're doing it. We see your hand, God. We bless the Gen Z, Lord. We bless them in your name, God. Help us who are older and even the generations above me, Lord, don't let us grow hard towards them when maybe they're unlearned uh, fully yet, but God, they're carrying your heart, Lord. Help us um, strengthen and encourage them. Uh, Help us to accept them and build them up, Lord, and champion them as they run after you, God. Don't let us be people who snuff them out. Lord, help us to encourage them as they run their race with you, God. And every viewer right now, Lord, I ask that you would bless their families, bless their children, Lord, bless their dreams and their visions, God, bless their finances, Lord, that you would be with them, show them your goodness and your favor, God. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Yes, amen. Amen to that. Brian, how can people uh, get the passion? Because, you know, I see the passiontranslation.com down, you guys, at um, underneath his name. I'm not sure you can go there, but where are some other places that people uh, can grab one of those? Yeah, well, any any place books are sold, you've got christianbooks.com, you've got uh, Amazon, of course, and Barnes and Nobles, and or international folks, you know, uh, it's. I understand it's a little hard to get in South Africa, not exactly sure why, but uh, mm. all over Europe and Canada and uh, Australia, Kurong, and uh, wherever books are sold. And how can people follow um, a little bit more about your ministry, Brian? Yeah, our ministry page is passionandfire.com. Uh, that's it, passionandfire.com. I like to say I'm, I'm passion. My wife's the fire. 
So uh, passionandfire.com and um, love to and connect. People, people can find you on social media too, right? Facebook yeah. and yeah. All, all the different platforms. So you guys can go ahead and go follow Brian. Just I'm sure type in his name and you'll see his pages. Do you have any upcoming events uh, coming up anywhere? We're going to be in State College here in a couple of weeks. State College, Pennsylvania. Uh, Christ Community Church with some friends there. Looking forward to that. And, uh, you know, Ezekiel just got released today, Kelsey, on Amazon. So, Oh, congratulations. That's awesome. Yeah, Ezekiel and Daniel in one volume. Well, I think my husband probably pre-ordered it because we usually uh-huh. do the pre-orders. And then because you can always pre-order before they come out. Um, so you guys make sure to go check that out because it's not only the passion. There's also uh, you have lots of devotionals mm-hmm. to available. Um, the Song of Songs devotional is incredible, but you have you have other ones too that um, people can go check that out. So make sure you check out all of his stuff because it you really will encounter God's heart through all of this. And Brian, we love you so much. And tell Candace we said hi, and we're so thankful yeah. for all you're doing for the body of Christ, for all the hard work. And I know it's by the grace of God, but thank you for saying yes. Um, you've changed so many lives. You've you've ignited so many hearts to read the word of God again. It's It's yeah. been amazing. So thanks for being on with us. We just love you so much. Thank you, Kelsey. And, and tomorrow, um, come right back here because we have Krista Elijah going to be on. And she always has a fiery word to share. So you guys don't want to miss it. We'll see you right here tomorrow. Love you guys. God bless. This has been Elijah Streams. Thanks for listening. For more episodes like this, you can listen to the Elijah Streams podcast at ElijahStreams.com on Apple, Google, and Spotify. Join us live every weekday at 11 a.m. Pacific time at ElijahStreams.com on Rumble and Facebook. Elijah Streams is part of Elijah List Ministries. Go to ElijahStreams.com slash give to become a partner today.